Dear Father in heaven, thank you for giving us the grace to be among the living today and thank you for this privilege. We ask Father that you give us strength from above and that you grant to us the gift of your spirit. Your word has said that as many as received Jesus, to them you gave power to become the sons of God. We pray that you would work in us to will and to do of your good pleasure that we may attain to that height that we may receive Christ into our lives through the words we'll hear today to make us more like Jesus. Lord, please put your words in my mouth and use these words to be a blessing to all who are listening. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, March 9 A Blessed Partnership And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Genesis chapter 39 Verse 2 and 3. Arriving in Egypt, Joseph was sold to Potiphar, captain of the king's guard, in whose service he remained for ten years. He was here exposed to temptations of no ordinary character. He was in the midst of idolatry. The worship of false gods was surrounded by all the pomp of royalty supported by the wealth and culture of the most highly civilized nation than in existence. Yet, Joseph preserved his simplicity and his fidelity to God. The sights and sounds of vice were all about him, but he was as one who saw and heard not. His thoughts were not permitted to linger upon forbidden subjects. The desire to gain the favor of the Egyptians could not cause him to conceal his principles. Had he attempted to do this, he would have been overcome by temptation. But he was not ashamed of the religion of his fathers, and he made no effort to hide the fact that he was a worshipper of Jehovah. Potiphar's confidence in Joseph increased daily, and he finally promoted him to be his steward with full control over all his possessions. The marked prosperity which attended everything placed under Joseph's care was not the result of a direct miracle, but his industry, care, and energy were crowned with the divine blessing. Joseph attributed his success to the favor of God, and even his idolatrous master accepted this as the secret of his unparalleled prosperity. Without steadfast, well-directed effort, however, success could never have been attained. God was glorified by the faithfulness of his servant. It was his purpose that in purity and uprightness, the believer in God should appear in marked contrast to the worshipper of idols. That thus the light of heavenly grace might shine forth amid the darkness of heathenism. 
Joseph's gentleness and fidelity won the heart of the chief captain who came to regard him as a son rather than a slave. The youth was brought in contact with men of rank and learning, and he acquired a knowledge of science, of languages and of affairs, an education needful to the future Prime Minister of Egypt. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is A Blessed Partnership. Our key text is taken from the book of Genesis chapter 39 verse 2 and 3 which says, And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. We last saw and left off with Joseph getting into Egypt and made a resolution, an inspired resolution in his mind to serve the God of his fathers. Regardless of consequences, he was going to be faithful to God and his fidelity was going to be unwavering. And that taught us the lesson too that as we journey along in life and we face different situations in our workplace, in our homes and schools, Wherever we are, we are to make this inspired resolution that nothing is going to make us deviate from serving God. That was the decision and resolution that Joseph made and that's the one we should make today because in a sense we are like Joseph. The world is like Egypt and we are, as it were, slaves in this world but free in Christ. And Joseph was free in God, free from sin, free from the bondage of Egypt but shackles were on, on his hand shackles were on his hand he was a slave to his masters from the Ishmaelites and then to Potiphar but his mind was not chained his heart was not chained he was free in Christ and so are we we are not chained and made as captives to the world following every popular custom that the world brings it is not in our place as pilgrims to do that. We are like Joseph. We are like the pilgrims in Vanity Fair. And we are not to buy anything except the truth. Faithful in the book Pilgrim's Progress, when he entered into Vanity Fair with his friend Christian, and they bought nothing from Vanity Fair and the people asked them, Why would you not buy anything from us? And Faithful answered, We will buy the truth. And they will not buy any other thing and such is the decision that joseph made when he was entering egypt that he was not going to adopt any of their customs he was not going to practice what they were practicing and he was not going to do as they did but he will serve the god of his fathers to many of us in entering into the world we do as the world does in changing location from where we know that we are surrounded with the people of god when we are surrounded among our brethren our brethren of the same faith it is easy for us to continue walking in the faith but when something takes us away from our brethren whether it is staying within the same country or going outside the country to a place where no one knows us what will you do 
Will you change your practices? Will you discard the God of your fathers? Someone once told me that once they get to the airport as they are about to travel to either the US or the UK or the West, that they immediately forget God. That's the person's personal experience, that they don't even remember that there's something called God. And when they are outside the country, in, in the Western countries, they just completely forget the principles of God, compromise everything. This was not so for Joseph. Going out to Egypt, which was like the USA of their time, the Western world, Joseph didn't look at it as something to rejoice and give testimony about, as we do today. But he looked at it as something that was not good for him. Only because of the slavery did he go there. It was not his choice to go. But on going there, he didn't think that he must join them in what they are doing. We are looking at this blessed partnership. The partnership between Joseph and his master Potiphar. We read in our key text that Joseph was prosperous. The Lord prospered him. Was it just out of nowhere that the Lord prospered him? Let us look at what made God prosper him. And the first thing is what we studied yesterday and what I'm talking about right now. That inspired resolution carried out. Yesterday we saw he decided. Today we are looking at how he carried it out. He didn't just say in his mind, I resolved not to do this. But after resolving, he carried out his resolution. And what was his resolution? Nothing is going to make me please anybody and change my practices and change my beliefs just because they tell me to. I'm going to maintain what I believe do what i know the law of god says regardless of what people say about me no compromise that is the first key to success in our devotion we read in conflict and courage page 74 paragraph 2 he was here in egypt exposed to temptations of no ordinary character i remember when one of a relative of mine went to germany for studies and in going there, the report I got was, they have co-ed dorms. I mean, your roommate is a lady dressed half naked, in, stuck naked in your presence. And they don't separate the males from the females. Wow, I was surprised that such a thing happens. Well, but that's how the West is. I wonder how it was for Joseph going to Egypt. But one thing I know is that what we read now is true. He was here exposed to temptations of no ordinary character. There was no temptation is there where he was in his father's house. There was temptation. But in coming to Egypt, the Bible doesn't call Egypt sin for nothing. That place was a different place. So filled filled with all kinds of superstition and all kinds of false ideas and practices that may lead one into perdition. Will lead one into perdition. He was in the midst of idolatry. The worship of false gods was surrounded by all the pomp of royalty, supported by the wealth and culture of the most highly civilized nation then in existence. Like I said, it was like the USA of today. Yet Joseph preserved his simplicity and his fidelity to God. And I'll pause here to ask the question for those who are in the Egypt of today. We need to make that decision. I don't know what your past has been, but today, We need to say like Joseph, I will preserve my simplicity and fidelity to God. Some people in living living and going to Egypt of today, the Western world, what do they do? They adopt their dress 
adopt their maxims, adopt their customs, not caring what the word of God says. I don't know what your life has been, whether in your present location, it doesn't have to be the western world you travel to, even in wherever you are, the western world comes to us. Are we going to adopt it? We should be like Joseph, not to take anything that is contrary to the word of God into our practices and our lives in general. Continuing the reading, it says, The sights and sounds of vice were all about him, but he was as one who saw and heard not. And that's a lesson for us. In his life of no compromise, Jacob Joseph was like one who saw and heard not. What does that mean? He was seen but was not seen. He was hearing but was not hearing. In other words, Joseph did not pay attention and give any countenance to the things he was seeing and hearing. Curiosity did not drive him to find out how are they doing their idolatry. I want to know. Curiosity did not lead him to go and say, oh, let me see how they do this thing and let me explore some bit. Since I'm in Egypt, my parents, they don't know where I am. My brothers, they've sold me. I'll be here for a long time. I'm a slave. So let me just join them in what they do. Mm -mm, Not Joseph. And it shouldn't be you too. Neither should it be me. He was like one that saw and heard not. His thoughts were not permitted to linger upon forbidden subjects. That's what it means to see and see not, to hear and hear not. The desire to gain the favor. Now, this is a very good point. The first principle to prosperity. The desire to gain the favor of the Egyptians could not cause him to conceal his principles. Had he attempted to do this, he would have been overcome by temptation. But he was not ashamed. He was not ashamed of the religion of his fathers. And he made no effort to hide the fact that he was a worshiper of Jehovah. Like I said, I don't know what your past has been, but this is what we are learning today. If you must be commended by God and be successful, you shouldn't be ashamed to confess Christ. Don't be ashamed to show people your religion. Don't hide your dress and make them now start to dress like them and think, make them think that you are just like them. Don't hide what you eat to make them think that, oh, I don't eat this or I don't eat that. Don't make them think that you are just like them in the enjoying the things of this world. You know, people want to appear woke today. They want to make it look as if, oh, I'm in vogue. I'm not out of place. I'm not old school. And because you don't want people to think you're old school or you don't want people to think you're holy, holy. You don't want people to think that you're Mr. Goody Two Shoes or that you are too religious. Then you drop down the standards. You don't, you now compromise here and compromise there. No, you're, you're getting it all wrong. You can't prosper in the Lord that way. You want to be like Joseph. Many people, oh, I want to be the prime minister. And you want to be this and be that. Then you must follow this step. If you want the commendation of the Lord, do not make a single compromise. Not even to gain favor from your master, from your employees. Not even to gain favor from them. Maintain your religion and show forth the glory of God wherever you are. Regardless of how much of a sore thumb you will look like to the people. Regardless of how singular and odd you will look maintain the glory of the lord you may be ridiculed you may be mocked you may be given um, you may be treated in a way that makes you feel like you are out of place but in the lord you know that you are not out of place we know that we are in light and the whole world lies in darkness even though joseph was the only person that represented god in the whole of egypt yet he did not change his practices for anybody neither to gain the favor of his masters or 
to to make him step himself stop feeling odd. You know that you don't even need to gain favor. Many people are just afraid of being odd. They're just afraid of not being in vogue or not of not following the popular traditions. Joseph had that mind to stand alone and was not moved by being different. We need to dare to be different. We need to dare to stand for Christ. And Joseph, in the midst of the Egyptians, dared to do that. And this was one key to his prosperity. And because of this, the Lord blessed Joseph. Reading from Genesis 39, from verse 1, it says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Why? This is the result of what we have just talked about, no compromise. Many will think that if you follow this no compromise principle, you will not make it in life. But it was not so. Joseph followed it, and we read here in Genesis 39 verse 2 and 3 that he was prosperous. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. And that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight. And he served him. And he made him overseer over his house. And all that he had, he put into his hand. And it came to pass from time, from the time that he had made him overseer in his house. And over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field and he left all that he had in joseph's hand and he knew not aught he had save the bread which he did eat and joseph was a goodly person and well favored you see this blessing that joseph received from god even extended to potiphar his master and this blessing did not come to joseph by joseph being a man pleaser but by him being faithful to God. So what were some other attributes in Joseph that made him so successful? We read in Conflict and Courage, page 74, paragraph 2, that says, The marked prosperity which attended everything placed under Joseph's care was not the result of a direct miracle. So Joseph was not one who depended on luck or miracles. The men of this world who are successful do so purely out of diligence and precise calculations. They don't depend on miracles. When you look at the successful people today, I mean financially, they're not actually successful because success has to do with keeping the commandments of God. Joshua 1 verse 8, that is good success. But at least they are achieving things. That is a fact. They are excelling in the things that they are doing. Why is that so? Are they depending on any miracle from any God somewhere? Is there something they are praying to that is helping them? Many of them are doing it out of pure diligence and hard work and, and very precise calculations. They are not depending on something to help them from somewhere. And this attitude should be adopted by Christians. Joseph was like that. He was not depending on luck or miracle. His prosperity was not the result of a direct miracle. So what was it? Industry. The marked prosperity which attended everything placed under Joseph was not the result of a direct miracle but his industry. What does industry mean? Hard work. Getting to put your hands to a work and finishing it. That is how Joseph lived. He did not 
do work haphazardly. He focused on the things he was doing and he precisely did it and achieved what was needed to be achieved. Another thing that Joseph had working for him was that there was care in his life. It was his industry, care and energy were crowned with the divine blessing. So we see industry, but industry alone will not be enough. Care is the next thing. Care to take note of what needs to be done. Time management and also being very meticulous in the things that he was doing. He showed genuine concern for the duty assigned to him. And if we must be successful, we must show genuine concern for the things that has been assigned to us, the duties given to us. And what was the result? Potiphar's confidence in Joseph increased daily and he finally promoted him to be his steward with full control over all his possessions. Joseph was not a man pleaser like I said earlier. He was not working with eye service, letting the work to show only when his master is around. He does his work not minding whether he's being credited for it and not minding whether his master has seen it. He was just diligent in what he does and also he had that care giving his genuine attention to the work that he was given to do and he put his energy into it. Now, reading from Review and Herald, September 22, 1891, we will see the attributes that are needed for us to be successful and how to conduct ourselves in work so that we can also have that blessed partnership. It says, It is the Christian's duty not to permit surroundings and circumstances to mold him, but to live above surroundings, fashioning his character according to the divine model. He is to be faithful in whatever place he is found. He is to do his duty with fidelity, improving the opportunities given him of God, making the most of his capabilities. With an eye single to the glory of God, he is to work for Jesus wherever he may be. We are to surrender the will, the heart to God, and become acquainted with Christ. We must deny self, take up the cross, and follow Jesus. Hmm. So here, if we must be successful, one thing that must be part of our lives is that we should not allow our surroundings to determine what we will be. Circumstances should not make the man, but man should rise above his surroundings and his circumstances. Joseph rose above his circumstances and he surrendered his will to God and denied himself. So what does self-denial have to do with work? Self-denial has a lot to do with work. If you don't deny yourself while you're at work, it will manifest itself in you being a man pleaser. You will not be th- you will not be thoughtful and you work with eye service. So let us see how self-denial applies to our work and being successful. Testimonies, Volume 4, page 521, Paragraph 2 says, Self-denial means to rule the spirit when passion is seeking for the mastery, to resist the temptation to censure and to speak fault-finding words, to have patience with a child that is dull and whose conduct is grievous and trying, to stand at the post of duty when others may fail. This is what Joseph will do. And this is what we should do. It takes self-denial to do a duty that others refuse to do. No matter how bad that work is, stand at the post of duty. This is how 
Joseph lived. To stand at a post of duty when others may fail. To lift responsibilities wherever and whenever you can. Not for the purpose of applause. Not for policy, but for the sake of the master who has given you a work to be done with unwavering fidelity. When you might praise yourself to keep silent and let other lips praise you. Self-denial is to do good to others where inclination would lead you to serve and please yourself. Although your fellow men may never appreciate your efforts or give, give you credit for them, yet you are to work on. This is the role of self-denial when we are at our work and how it helps us to be successful. If we pay attention only to the work that has been given to us and we also uh, feel like, oh, let's follow policy, policy alone. We will not be able to rise to that place where we ought to be. And that was how Joseph lived, not in that kind of following policy, but rather practicing everything I just read now. Doing his work with unwavering fidelity, not doing it for praise, not doing it for applause, but rather for God's sake because it is necessary to be done not doing it so that everybody will see me and then I'll get awards in my office no just out of genuine concern that you want the work to be done properly that was why Joseph was doing what he was doing and Joseph bore reproach boldly as Joseph maintained his religion at work he must have been met with jeering and mockery but he carried his cross boldly and that's how he denied himself also there were times when it would be possible that people will want to mock him to be possible that people will censure him and try to make his passion to rise but he ruled his spirit when passion was seeking for the mastery and even though his work was not appreciated or people give him credit for it he continued to work on so continuing from review and herald september 22 1891 understanding how to get that successful attitude Reading it says, How many profess to be the servants of Christ? But how loath are they to bear reproach and shame for Christ's sake? The cross is not to please self. It lies directly across the path of the pleasure lover and cuts through our carnal desires and selfish inclinations. The cross rebukes all unfaithfulness in your labors. If you bear the cross of Christ, you will not shun responsibilities or burden bearing. If you are abiding in Christ, learning in his school, you will not be rude, dishonest, or unfaithful. The cross of Christ cuts to the root of all unholy passions and practices. Whatever the nature of your work, you will carry the principles of Christ into your labor and identify yourself with the task given into your hands. Your interest will be one with that of your employer. If you are paid for your time, you will realize that the time for work is not your own, but belongs to the one who pays you for it. If you are careless and extravagant, wasting material, squandering time, failing to be painstaking and diligent, you are registered in the books of heaven as an unfaithful servant. Hmm. Let me pause here for a time. Many at work feel that they are at liberty to waste the time of their employer, use their materials anyhow, take something home even. The Lord is recording it and he records that we are unfaithful servants. Some of us will use the data that is given from the office for frivolous and unhelpful things, things that don't 
help you to at least build yourself with respect to the work given to you or also help the company with the things they are doing. Others will use working time for personal labor when work is not yet accomplished. The task has been given and when you have not done the task, then you are surfing the net, doing something else. It's not break time. Nobody's saying it's wrong to surf the net in your break time. And then you are using the, the company's materials for personal purposes. Like we read, if you are paid for your time, you will realize that the time for work is not your own, but belongs to the one who pays you for it. If you are careless and extravagant, wasting material, squandering time, failing to be painstaking and diligent, you are registered in the books of heaven as an unfaithful servant. This is a high standard, a high calling. And this is the reason we come to Christ. You see, I know that these things are sounding really, really high, but I myself who am t- talking, I have a lot to learn here. So let us not say because of how high it is we reject it. No, rather let us say, help us, Lord. Help me, Lord. Let me get to this standard. The Lord can give us the grace to be like that. Don't revolt at this standard because it is true. If your employer is paying you for your time, why are you using the time for something else or squandering it? Why are you using their materials for things that they didn't give you materials for? Some even go as far as stealing from their employers. They take the petrol home. They take the toiletries home. And other materials owned by the employers are taken to their homes, used for their personal benefit. Is that not theft? Joseph was not like this. He was not envying or coveting the employer's properties. But he, like his great-grandfather Abraham, what he did with the king of Sodom, told them, Don't say that you are the one that made Abraham rich. I am not taking any of your properties except the food that are the servants who fought the battle needed as we are coming back home. But don't say you made me rich. I'm not taking anything that belongs to you. This was how Joseph lived. Integrity, faithfulness, transparency and sincerity were his attributes. Going on in the reading now, he says, Those who are unfaithful in the list of temporal affairs will be unfaithful in responsibilities of greater importance. They will rob God and fail of meeting the claims of the divine law. They will not realize that their talents belong to God and should be devoted to his service. Those who do nothing for their employers except that which is commanded them. Take note. When they know that the prosperity of the work depends on some extra exertion on their part, will fail to be accounted as faithful servants. Hmm. Another high standard here. So if we know something that needs to be done, and yet we don't do it because it is not our duty, then God will count us as unfaithful servants. And especially when we know that the success of the work depends on some extra exertion on our part. There are many things not specified that wait to be done, that come directly under the notice of one employed. Leaks and losses occur that might be prevented if painstaking diligence and unselfish effort were manifested. If the principles of love enjoined upon us by Jesus were carried out in the life of those who profess his name. But many are working in the cause of God who are registered as I servants. It is the most abhorrent form of selfishness that leads the worker to neglect the improvement of time, the care of property, because he is not directly under the eye of the master. But do such workers imagine that their neglects are not noticed, their unfaithfulness not recorded? Could their eyes be opened? They would see 
that a watcher looks on and all their carelessness is recorded in the books of heaven. Those who are unfaithful in the work of God are lacking in principle. Their motives are not of a character to lead them to choose the right under all circumstances. The servants of God are to feel at all times that they are under the eye of their employer. He who watched the sacrilegious feast of Belshazzar is present in all our institutions, in the counting room of the merchant, in the private workshop, and the bloodless hand is as surely recording your neglect as it recorded the awful judgment of the blasphemous king. Belshazzar's condemnation was written in words of fire, thou art weighed in the balances and not found wanting. And if you fail to fulfill your God-given obligations, your condemnation will be the same. Hmm. So, this is one of the attributes we must have in mind. We must be sincere and really diligent when we are working if we must be successful. This was the reason God blessed Joseph because he was he was a self-denying person. He did the work that was even not his own duty because he saw it needed to be done. This is the attributes we should have in ourselves. Another thing is we should be trustworthy and reliable. The reading continues to say there are many who profess to be Christians who are not united with Christ. Their daily life, their spirit testifies that Christ is not formed within the hope of glory. They cannot be depended upon. They cannot be trusted. They are anxious to reduce their service to the minimum of effort and at the same time exact the highest of wages. The name servant applies to every man, for we are all servants, and it would be well for us to see what mode we are taking on. Is it the mode of unfaithfulness or of fidelity? That's left for us to answer. We must be trustworthy people. People should be able to depend on us when they give us a duty, knowing very well that as far as I've given it to this brother or this sister, I'm sure that that work is considered done. Because every time they give us a work, we always pull through. We should be able to be trustworthy and reliable. Another thing that we should have in work to be successful is thoughtfulness. Is it the disposition generally among servants to do as much as possible? Is it not rather the prevailing fashion to slide through the work as quickly, as easily as possible and obtain the wages at as, as little cost to themselves as they can? The object is not to be as thorough as possible, that's many people today, they don't work to be as thorough as possible, but to get the root remuneration, that's the pay, the money. Those who profess to be the servants of Christ should not forget the injunction of Paul, of the Apostle Paul. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men please us, but in singleness of heart fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ. Those who enter the work as eye servants will find that their work cannot bear the inspection of men or of angels. The thing essential for successful work is a knowledge of Christ. I take that again. The thing essential for successful work is a knowledge of Christ. For this knowledge will give sound principles of right, impart a noble unselfish spirit like that of our Savior whom we profess to serve. Faithfulness, economy, caretaking, thoroughness should characterize all our work. So what are the four things? Faithfulness, which means doing the duty to the last. 
and not telling lies, being sincere. The next thing, economy. And the next, caretaking, thoroughness should characterize all our work. Wherever we may be, whether in the kitchen, in the workshop, in the office of publication, in the sanitarium, in the college, or wherever we are stationed in the vineyard of the Lord, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. End of quote. So here were some attributes that we are sure that Joseph would have had that made him to be recognized by God, first of all, who then blessed him. His master Potiphar observed it and also realized that this man is what is bringing a blessing upon me and then made him the head of that uh, his, his household. But one other thing that we cannot fail to take note of in the life of Joseph is not that he was hardworking alone. You see, there's something, hard work alone is not going to take you nowhere, I tell you. There is something again that opens doors for you. And that is gentleness, kindness, courtesy, and politeness. We read about Joseph in Conflict and Courage, page 74, paragraph 4. Joseph's gentleness and fidelity won the heart of the chief captain who came to regard him as a son rather than a slave. So it's not enough to be hardworking and diligent. This, without gentleness, makes us unpalatable to people's tastes. Men will work well with the gentle than with the talented and hardworking person. Talent and genius without the grace of kindness and gentleness is unpalatable. He was not easily offended and angered. He was patient with other people's faults and he was very helpful and thoughtful. What does thoughtfulness mean? That means you don't need to tell him what needs to be done. He already thinks about it beforehand and does it. Some of us, we know what needs to be done and we feel it's not my duty. We are averse to work. We don't want to do it because to us, work is punishment. But it was not so for Joseph. As he thinks of something that he knows needs to be done, he doesn't need to wait. He does it. And then he was helpful also. Even the ones he doesn't think about, immediately he's told to do it. He does it without grudge or murmuring or complaining. This combined with his hard work, that is the gentleness combined with his hard work, perfect. That is what you want to see easy person to work with, always reliable and trustworthy, ready to work at all times and at the same time when you are relating with him, he's not proud, he's not boastful, he's not insulting you, he's very caring, kind and gentle in his manner of dealing. And this is the lesson we should learn. We may see defects in our character as we talk about these things, but the Lord is talking to us to bring about a change in our life. And what was final for Joseph is that he made it clear that his success was dependent on God. Joseph attributed his success to the favor of God and even his idolatrous master accepted this as the secret of his unparalleled prosperity. Without steadfast, well-directed effort, however, success could never have been attained. God was glorified by the faithfulness of his servant. So what was God's purpose in all of this? It was to bring him in contact with men of rank and learning so that he then acquired the knowledge of science and languages and the affairs of Egypt and the education needed for a future prime minister. You may look at the work as a lowly work, but God had a purpose. And we also should understand, wherever we find ourselves, we are exposed to different kinds of things that is preparing us for a higher duty. 
Testimonies Volume 5, page 179, paragraph 2 says, The world has a right to expect strict integrity in those who profess to be Bible Christians. By one man's indifference in regard to paying his just dues, all our people are in danger of being regarded as unreliable. So, we need to be strictly diligent and have strict integrity. So, what were the things that helped Joseph? Attributes of diligence, proper time management. He doesn't use his time wrongly for things he shouldn't be using for the time that is that was supposed to be given to his master he doesn't use it for other things thoughtfulness helpfulness single-mindedness self-development and genuine interest in the work he was doing so if we are not diligent and lack fidelity how can we possibly be where god wants us to be as you see that joseph god brought him there if he didn't do as in potiphar's house if he didn't do the work he was supposed to do diligently and was always grumbling about how he's not supposed to be a slave and all of that how would he be able to achieve what God planned for him? And we too, how can we achieve what God plans for us if we are like that? When we lack these attributes, God cannot see us as faithful and we make ourselves unqualified for the duties God would have us do. It was, by, it was not by a miracle that Joseph was made the head of the servants and seen as Potiphar's son. His hard-working attitude brought to himself the position of servant. But it was his genuine interest in Potiphar's business and his care and gentleness that endeared him as a son. And all this he did without compromise and sacrifice of principle and also purely for Christ's sake and not because he was in a competition to get the wealth and favor of Egypt or to be the highest servant. There are many who want to be Joseph's but only as the prime minister of Egypt. But they forget that that prime minister received a training. Our greatest desire should be to fill the place in life that God proposes that we fill. This can only be achieved by faithfulness to God in little things. Do not neglect little things and little duties, for they furnish for us a training for greater responsibilities. It is God that works out the circumstances and providence that eventually leads us to be in the place God wants us to be. If it is based on Satan's plan alone, he will make us think that remaining faithful to God, we can never excel. He will make us think that as far as we are in this world, which he owns, then we must cave in to his demands for us to be successful. But is that so? It is not so. Desire of Ages, page 130, paragraph 2 says, By the one who had revolted in heaven, the kingdoms of this world were offered Christ to buy his homage to the principles of evil. But he would not be bought. He had come to establish a kingdom of righteousness and he would not abandon his purpose. With the same temptation, Satan approaches men and here he has better success than with Christ. To men, he offers the kingdom of this world on condition that they will acknowledge his supremacy. He requires that they sacrifice integrity, disregard conscience, indulge selfishness. Christ bids them seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But Satan walks by their side and says, Whatever may be true in regard to life eternal, in order to make a success in this world, you must serve me. I hold your welfare in my hands. I can give you riches, pleasures, honor and happiness. Hearken to my counsel. Do not allow yourselves to be carried away with whimsical notions of honesty and self-sacrifice. I will prepare the way before you. Thus, multitudes are deceived. They consent to live for the service of self, and Satan is satisfied. 
while he allures them with the hope of worldly dominion, he gains dominion over the soul, but he offers that which is not his to bestow, and which is soon to be wrested from him. In return, he beguiles them of their title to the inheritance of the sons of God. End of quote. May we not be lured by Satan into thinking that we must cave into his demands and compromise for us to be prosperous. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for these lessons. Please, Lord, it's not enough to speak. It's not enough to resolve. But we need to carry out our inspired resolutions. Time and time again, we've made resolutions and failed. We have said we will be faithful. We will not compromise. We will be like Daniel, like Joseph. But we have failed over and over again. And some of us have been having it well and we have been pressing on Lord I pray that you continue to strengthen us and those who need help Lord please grant to us the help that we may be carrying out our resolutions to be faithful to you making no compromise teach us Lord to be industrious teach us Lord to glorify your name by care gentleness and also not being men pleasers help us Lord to see genuinely that we are working as unto God and not as unto men Help us, Lord, that in all this, we shall be developing the character of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen.